Hello and welcome to Reptile Living Room's Herp Chat. This evening's guest is Julie Bergman from Gecko Ranch. Uh, if you're into day geckos and various other species of geckos, do check her out. It's uh, www.geckoranch.com. Uh, Julie's been doing this for quite some time. Has some awesome, incredible day gecko species. And tonight she talks with us about how to take care of uh, Felsuma or the day geckos as uh, they're known. Uh, in the regular world, uh, if you've ever seen the Geico commercials, the little green guy, that's a day gecko. Don't know exactly what species they based it off of, but it is a day gecko regardless. So without further ado, here is Julie Bergman, Gecko Ranch. We're on the phone today with uh, Julie Bergman once again from Gecko Ranch. And I uh, want to talk to you today, Julie, about basically is there a way to give us an overview on Felsuma captive care? Or is it like broken down by species or... Is there kind of some general rules in, <laughs> to follow, or yeah. how does it? There are some general rules you can follow. Uh, okay. For for one, uh, they're an arboreal uh, tropical few exceptions. Most of, most of them are cool. Okay. And so they're they're all uh, pretty much arboreal. Okay. One exception with that, and that's the barbary, who's a combination of terrestrial and arboreal. Oh wow. Uh, not many people have those, and they're actually. Uh, the cool weather Felsuma. <laughs> oh, no kidding. They're blue, they're blue in color and uh, very popular once people see them. Oh, you can imagine. <laughs> uh, but they're they're kind of hard to hard to breed. Oh, I see. Um, so there's not so many of them now. now. But, um, yeah, so if what you need is a, a vertical, you know, terrarium versus a horizontal one, uh, one that's tall, you know, versus wide. And, okay. Um, Need uh, a good source of light, you know, a bright, uh, bright light, uh, preferably uh, either a, like a TA, something that intense, or as a fluorescent light, or a compact fluorescent. Oh, really? Okay. That'll work. Um, any uh, fluorescents that are uh, like, you know, T12s are, you know, their lights are less intense, and they they do better with the intense light, and you can combine that with a. a source and a compact, compact fluorescent that puts out heat as well as UVA, UVB, or you can uh, split the two up and have maybe like a T8 fluorescent mm-hmm. that puts out like a white light and uh, a little uh, halogen light. I use those hockey pucks that you get at Home Depot. Oh yeah, okay. And uh, they have a little 20 watt light in there. This is good for smaller Felsuma, you know, smaller setups, bigger setups. If you want to split the light, you know, if you need to, you know, increase your temperature up up uh, where the big Felsuma are kept, uh, an incandescent will work just fine. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. All so right. The key is to have a good bright light, and that has that cues their metabolism. It's as important as as any vitamin or supplement you give them. Really? So if they have like a. a dimmer fluorescent light, it doesn't key up their metabolism? Yeah, yeah, and I, I have a, a pretty stark example of how that wow, worked, because I had, uh, oh, uh, probably about six or seven of a certain type of Selsuma, they were, uh-huh. you know, maybe eight months old, I think it was a, a Selsuma angularis, which is a, a, a lot of cotta, you know, a lot of cotta angularis, right. and uh, kind of rare and everything, and I, uh, one of my fluorescents burnt out, so being, you know, not as knowledgeable as I am now, 
wanting to save to get the full spectrum. Uh, right. And, you know, I waited uh, months, and, you know, and their light was out, so they didn't have any bright light over their closure. And the one day I came in, and they all were dropped. Whoa. You know, and that's the only, and that that's happened in other instances where, where the light bulb has, has gone out or something, I didn't replace it. So it's important to replace it with something, uh, you know, just bright. You know, wow. it doesn't have to be full spectrum. You know, because you can, through supplementation, you can, you know, achieve what they need as far as their metabolism, <coughs> calcium and phosphorus and D3 and all that. Oh, but, okay. Uh, but uh, the, the bright light is, is really a super key thing. Mm, very interesting. I haven't heard that before. Yeah. Now, as far as the UVB and uh, vitamin supplementation, what what is your uh, recommendation on that? And how do you <clears throat> how do you manage the levels of D3 and stuff like that? Because, like, on a lot of the calcium powders and stuff like that that's sold today, you'll always see it says, you know, dust lightly. Well, you know, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, so, um, as a, you know, person that's been breeding for Felsuma, breeding Felsuma for 18 years, you know, I've used everything. Yeah, well, that's what I can imagine. So, <laughs> if it's <laughs> out there, Julie's used it. Uh, I, I've gone, I've, like, gone back and forth between stuff. With Felsuma, you know, they have very particular requirements and they're, uh, Probably a more uh, a little bit more higher on the calcium metabolism than a lot of uh, geckos, uh, like more so than leopard geckos. Although breeding female leopard geckos are probably similar in their calcium. Oh, okay. But uh, so um, at at one at back in the old days, we used uh, RepCal, you know, ultrafine with D3 and herpsovite, mm-hmm. and then we. Uh, as Felsuma breeders, there's a, you know, a, a group of us that, that kind of talk, you know, that are on mm-hmm. the more serious level in the United States. Um, and uh, we decided, well, that's not working. The, the manufacturer recommended 50-50 mixing of that product, you mm-hmm. know, to achieve the oxal level. And uh, so that wasn't working for the Felsuma so well. <laughs> okay. So what we did is we doubled the amount of calcium. And that... That worked okay, but it still wasn't great, and there's still, I still have, on some species, I still had some calcium tetany, and the standing eye had the biggest problem, because the standing day gecko uh, is one of the larger day geckos, and right. it uses a chunk of calcium to make its eggs, the eggs are more dense, probably, than any other, with the exception of maybe the barbari. Really? Which is a gluer, so there, there's two types. You know, of, of egg layers, there's gluers and non-gluers. Right. Those that people keep in captivity as pets are not gluers, but um, oh. standing eye is not a gluer, but has these bowling ball eggs. So, <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I had a case where I had uh, I, my females were were crashing and the eggs weren't hatching. They're being laid. Those uh-huh. are prolific geckos. So you're not going to get as many eggs as like grandis as prolific, if not more prolific, than a leopard gecko. Oh, my or goodness. Or a gecko. <clears throat> so, um, having this gecko even lay eggs that, you know, every once in a while, like it does, you know, the eggs wouldn't hatch, they'd look perfect, and I'm like, dang, you know, they look good, what's wrong, you know? Right. So, um, Alan Rapace came out with uh, Calcium Plus about six years ago, and uh, it, it was called uh, T-Rex IC. And uh, you can still purchase the, the T-Rex product. And he has changed the formulation, you know, during years uh, due to input. Like, I'm, I'm a beta tester for him. Oh, okay. 
Um, so I helped him, you know, I kept, I, that was one of the things I complained about, you know, I go, oh, you know, <laughs> yeah, really. it's not working, it's not working, you know, so he says, okay, I'll, I'll work on it. So, um, he, I started with Felica Vogeli, who has a lot of frogs, and uh-huh. frogs have a high calcium metabolism. So, <coughs> he came out with something that, that was a lot better, you know, with the calcium metabolism. Oh, okay. And, uh, so... So the geckos, I had the geckos with huge calcium stacks, but, you know, they were still coming out with tetany, and I had one that I, I had x-rayed at UC Davis Veterinary Teaching Hospital that had broken legs on all four Oh, my uh, goodness. Uh, ends, yeah. So this was with Repcal and Herbivite like that, you know. So, so there was definitely something that needed to be done, and um, so Alan came out with also custom supplements that, his, his supplement is all one, so you don't have to do the mixing like you do with oh, almost every God. other supplement. Yeah. So, because a lot of people have, have this conception about how to do that. So whenever there's an element of guessing or, you know, where people can maybe mix things up wrong, you want to take that out of the equation. <laughs> right, right. Possible, as we found out from experience. Uh, but, so he, ha- he has custom supplements. So if you have, let's say you keep one outdoors, then you don't, you don't want it to get deep free in the supplement. So he has a supplement that doesn't have any deep free. Oh, wow, okay. And, the, and you mix the uh, multivitamin into it separately. So, and he has that for each level of deep free. Uh, no, low, medium, high. Oh, okay. So for, for a uh, younger, uh, like standing, I would start with the, uh, the high D. Okay. And uh, that's what I'm doing now. And possibly the medium D might work, you know, when the animal is older. Uh-huh. But, um, so I do, for the standing eye, I do that custom supplement. And there's some other, you know, gecko species I work with that, that right. that level of calcium like a tehua. Okay. All right. Now, <clears throat> just so our readers can understand, or listeners, rather, sorry. <laughs> um, day geckos, when I, when I see them, I, and they're, uh, I guess it, I don't know if it's during breeding season or not. But when I've seen them, and it's during breeding season, I always notice the calcium sacs, and it always reminds me of The Godfather, the movie, The Godfather, (laughs) you know, because it looks like there's golf balls in their cheeks. Can you explain to our listeners why they do that, and what what that whole, you know, bulging at the side of the neck thing is? Well, um, if you see those, and they're super big, then it actually hurts the animal, and... um some people are under the impression that a big calcium sack equals bigger is better of, of calcium reserve for the animal. Right. And uh, what that indicates is calcium is present in the sack, and it doesn't indicate if it's being metabolized or not. And case in point is my my standing guy that went to UC Davis and was X-rayed with four broken legs with a big calcium sack. Wow. So, so uh, what? What the uh, my working theory is is that um, they you can give them calcium and they take it in, right? And then it'll sit in these reserve spots in the, in the sac. Huh. And but however, if the D three and phosphorus levels are don't match, you know, the proper ratio for mm-hmm. pelvic, then it just sits there and it doesn't go in the body. It doesn't it's not metabolized uh, for making eggs or stuff like that. So, oh, interesting. Um, yeah, and I've, I've, you know, I've had, you know, it's been a long time, so I've, I've seen them for many years, you know, all of a sudden they just, they develop tetany or they'll, the babies would hatch, and if they hatch, 
Mm-hmm. Babies are going to tetany right away, the calcium tetany. And uh, so so it's nice to know that there's something now that addresses that. We should have a, a good handle on it now. Oh, very good. Now, yeah. as far as, um, like, we talked about the vertical enclosures, if you want, because in our last conversation, in our last interview, which the listeners can go back to if they want, you actually surprised me by saying, you know, some day geckos can be actually kept in groups and whatnot. Let's say if just the average keeper wants to keep a couple of uh, day gecko species, what size vertical enclosure would you be looking at? Well, for, uh, for uh, let's say a grandis, you know, grandis is kind of a, a good one to start out with. Okay. Uh, that's, that's a large day gecko, mm-hmm. and uh, that would be a minimum a 20-gallon. Oh, okay. You know, it's tall. That's the minimum size because this is uh, going to be a foot-long gecko, you know, in, in a lot of circumstances. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, they do get big, definitely. So, um, so something like that would be would be good. Okay. For a smaller species, you know, like a gold dust, maybe a, a ten-gallon tall would be good. Oh, okay. And what about uh, as far as you know? And again, you'd have to go to Julie's website, which is geckoranch.com, to get all the specifics on you know the very specific species for care requirements, but this is just kind of a general overview. As far as heating on uh, the Felsuma species, what's an average temperature range for most uh, big echoes? Well, it actually has to do uh, a lot with color. And really? The, yeah. <laughs> okay, the, now I'm really intrigued. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, a lot of them are green. Right. You know, and I find that uh, the green ones come from, uh, you know, uh, an area that, that likes their their daytime temperatures like 80 to maybe 86 or 88. Okay. You know, during the day. So the green guys cannot be too hot. Like, if you go over 90 and over with the green mm-hmm. guy, it's just too hot for them. Oh, you wow. Know, they're, they're not, you know, that's a standing eye and a, a clemmer eye temperature. You know, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not an average green <coughs> guy, you know, temperature. Okay. And as far as UVB light, that's normal uh, daylight cycle? Yes. Okay. Yeah, the, uh, if you use that, you know, which is optional. Right, right. So you don't, um, oh, so you don't actually need to use a UVB light? No, though? no, because now with the supplementation that we have, oh. you know, it's, it's good. And what it's cued by the bright light, so. Ah, hair, and, okay, now I get you. <laughs> so the, uh. The, the lighting, yeah, that's that's completely optional. Um, there's nothing wrong with using it. Um, you know, you can use it, but you don't have to. Re- you don't have to spend that money. Right. That's what I was just about to say. It's like, well, heck, <laughs> well, I don't have to spend forty bucks on a bulb, then I'm not going to no, do it. <laughs> no. Well, you can go down to you know uh, Home Depot and get a T8. Right. Know, a little little halogen or incandescent to provide the heat, and you're all set. Wow, that is <laughs> awesome. Now, as far as uh, substrates are concerned, a lot of people are worried about, you know, basically if they keep them on anything or any reptile on anything but a paper towel, <laughs> you always hear about the impaction thing. Right, right. Now, well, it's not a gecko that you really need to have that concern with in the adult. Okay. You know, the, uh, the baby babies, uh, there is a concern about keeping them on, you know, substrates that are too fine, mm-hmm. you know. Or, or too moist, <laughs> and then sure. they get stuck to them, and they can't move around. I've had that happen. Oh wow! It's not, not so much as an ingestion thing, you know. They're arboreal, mm-hmm. so if they're on the ground, you 
either they're looking for food, which is the case oftentimes, you know, most of the time, or they're sick. You know, right. so there's, there's a reason for them to be on the ground, and, you know, 99% of their life is spent up high. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, <clears throat> as far as arboreal uh, day geckos are concerned, which most of them are, um, to my knowledge anyway, uh, in our last uh, interview we were talking about cork tubes and like mother-in-law's tongue as far as plant species and stuff like that. When you throw a plant in there, do you just leave it in the pot normally or? Well, that's, that's kind of up to you, you know, how, okay. what, what kind of terrarium you want to set up. You know, uh, you do have to have a depth of substrate if you're going to plant the plants in it. Right. So sometimes people just don't have that kind of space that they can you know, put a decent-sized plant in and mm-hmm. in a pot, you know, in a, a uh, thinner, you know, substrate on the bottom is better. Uh, if you have a larger setup and you want to, you know, put in some some plants, uh, that's that's cool. I, I use pots for most of my setup because it, it's just easier to maintain. Yeah, it always so, seemed easier to maintain to me, too, is just rather than, you know, tear apart the whole cage, you know, <laughs> or enclosure, you can just pull the pot out and be done with it. Yeah. Well, for someone like me that has a lot of geckos, you know, if, oh you, my gosh. Have one, <laughs> if you have one terrarium, you know, and you want to dote on a few plants in there true. and stick them in the substrate, go ahead. Very you know, true. But if, if you're going to keep, you know, if you have more than a, a few, then then you want to, you know, keep the plants in pots and uh, definitely the snake planters. Uh, Santa Maria is mm-hmm. definitely probably the, the most durable plant besides the uh, pothos, you know. The, oh yeah, the po- uh, pothos, okay. Any other plants that you can think of that come to mind as far as uh, good terrarium plants for uh, day geckos? Well, um, I think if you have a misting system on your terrarium, uh, I have a whole a rack system with, with misting that oh, automatically which is really nice. And it has a drain and all that stuff. If you have something like that, then then your plants, you know, on increase, you know, twenty fold. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> as far as what you can do. Oh, very cool. And, uh, there's plants that like moisture, you know, and uh, crotons. Is, is, those are a nice plant that comes in a variety of leaf shapes. And they, they oh, come okay. in like yellows and pinks. And, you know, they're kind of exotic looking. And, and those are pretty cool. And uh, the bromeliads are also really cool. And bromeliads will work in either type of setup. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing you remember with them in the room is you have to water them in the cup and not in the base. Right. Right. So that that'll work. And if you're really handy, uh, you can put orchids in there. Oh wow! But you know, don't do that unless you're you know really advanced green thumb. Yeah, definitely. I've <laughs> always admired orchids from a distance because yeah, I couldn't I couldn't imagine doing that. <laughs> That's very cool. Now, as far as uh, talking about the humidity and the misting system and stuff like that, so we have you know basically we've already covered the temperature. Uh, the lighting and the vitamin supplementation. As far as humidity goes, knowing that there are tropical species, what's the humidity ranges that we're looking at for, you know, again, generally speaking, Felsuma species? Well, at some time during the day, and it doesn't have to be the whole day, uh-huh. you know, I would say something above 50%, you know, uh, but um, the easiest way to do this is just to miss their terrarium well once a day. Oh, okay. I think if you do that, you're good. Because where I live, it's you know, there's probably it's probably about twenty percent mm-hmm. <laughs> or less, you know. Right. Uh, but you know, that's 
you know, as long as you miss the term well or you have a misting system that goes off, you know, uh, misting systems are nice because some of them you can buy with programmers that go for less than a minute. Right. And that's really ideal and what you really need. Uh, this way you could have, let's say you have it go off for 30 seconds five times a day. It's perfect because it burns off. You know, the animals get their water and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, and there, there are a couple of really good systems out on the market that, that people can get. Oh, okay. Now, as far as water is concerned, um, do most of the Felsumas drink standing water, or do they usually drink water off the plants? Or They, they like to drink off of leaves. And oh, okay. they're going to be gone, you know, over the weekend. Nobody's going to miss them. I wouldn't leave a, a water use because all the crickets that you feed them are going to jump in there. Oh, right, and, and drown and commit suicide. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. <clears throat> now, as far as food is concerned, <clears throat> excuse me, I've heard uh, various points of contention as far as, you know, feeding baby food, feeding a mixed nectar, feeding just crickets. What does, what is uh, Julie Bergman at the Gecko Ranch? What? <laughs> well, after, after years of, you know, working with different products. Exactly. Like that, um, I still like to feed them crickets, uh -huh. uh, you know, a few times a week because they like it, you know, they like the crickets, they're, they're insectivores, but right. also in nature, they're also frugivores, so uh -huh. they would like fruit. So, um, like, you know, let's picture them in Madagascar, they could be, you know, licking stuff out of a rotting papaya or mango or something like that. So, gotcha. so um, it's natural that, you know, uh, you know, fruit, a fruit puree, or even better yet, you know, the crested gecko diet that Alan Pasty has. Oh. It's just perfect for them. So I always tell people, if you want, if you have crested geckos or meatians or hoos or anything like that, mm -hmm. if you like to watch somebody during the day, uh, get a day gecko because this way you can just feed them the same food. And, oh, wow. Uh, this way you have somebody to watch 24-7. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That's awesome. And <clears throat> now, of course, all the uh, supplies that you mentioned are but uh, the Allen Rapache food system, that's all on your website, correct? Yes. For purchase, yes. and that's just geckoranch.com. So I, I help them. I give them feedback on this food because mm -hmm. I have so many different species of geckos I work with besides Sultima. Mm. You know, pretty yeah. much any tropical gecko is worth giving a try on this stuff. Oh, okay. Um, some of my tokes will even eat it, and the, you know, gecko vitatus, the skunk, skunk geckos. Oh, I love those Some things. of them will eat it. So it's it's kind of good to have around, and uh, even for something, let's say you need uh, a uh, a mechanism to uh, to feed medication, you can use it for that too for a lot of different geckos. Oh wow! So they get a little nutrition, and they get their medication at the same time without struggling for it. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Very cool. Now, what kind of substrate do you personally? What um, is it like uh, cocoa chips or bark or well, I've Pea used successfully, you know, forever and ever, mm -hmm. uh, the, the uh, orchard supply uh, orchid bark. <laughs> oh, okay. And I'll use, I'll use like, a, a medium or, or a fine grade, you know, depending mm -hmm. on the gecko. And uh, below that, I'll put a uh, sphagnum peat moss substrate that orchard also sells in big, giant bags that you would like. You know, um, for the bottom, I put that, you know, maybe maybe two inches, you know, something like that, <coughs> and they'll put the orchid bark on top. Oh, okay. They, they don't get in any trouble with this in their mouth or anything like that. You mm -hmm. know, they, 
they do, you know, that's, that's never been an issue with them. Oh, very cool. That's awesome. Now, um, just being the fact that, you know, no one's ever going to have, you know, the perfect gecko. Um, what happens when they get sick? What What are some of, like, the common ailments or well, common um, things to look for to identify that, okay, something might not be <laughs> quite right with my gecko today? Well, this is, this is kind of true of all geckos, but, you know, more so that you can, it's more apparent in Selsuma is their coloration. Oh, okay. You know, their, their coloration will, will not be right, you know, because when their coloration is optimal, you know, whatever they are, let's say they're grandest, you know, they're going to be a nice bright green. Oh, yeah. So when they're not feeling good, they're going to be dark. Interesting. Okay. And so that's what pretty much any Selsuma. You will notice, you know, they just look duller and darker, and let's say maybe you'll see some skin pinches around their head that represent dehydration in the smaller ones, especially oh. if the skin pinches, you know, okay, the guy's dry, you know, um, or, or if they're crawling around on the bottom and they're dark, that's a really bad sign. Right, right. <laughs> and they don't, if they don't stick to the, uh, the uh, terrarium walls, um, mm-hmm. that could be a, a bad sign. I, I do know they get um, they get some you know the common I forget the common uh, uh, sort of bacteria that they that all geckos get. Oh okay. Um, I'm trying to think of what it is, but there's there's something that all geckos get that just kind of slows them down. Oh really? And, uh, you know, uh, and then their salmonella will take over. This is true for any reptile. Right. So if, if they you know, because they all have a, a, a salmonella load. Right. It's our job to keep their their load low by keeping their environment clean and keeping them healthy and at the optimal temperature. Mm-hmm. So any stressor <coughs> can bring out, you know, uh, you know, one of these these organisms will get mm-hmm. a foothold. You know, but as far as you know, uh, specific diseases that are associated with them, mm-hmm. I don't know of any. Okay. Very cool. There, there's a mysterious thing that pops up, you know, really rarely, and nobody knows what it is. Like their their tail gets black, and that's where it starts. It's like it's like a mole, possibly. You know, we really don't know, but that it would creep up their up their body. But I've seen that just maybe like once or twice in 18 years. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's seriously rare then. Yeah, well, <clears throat> and the other thing is flap tail. But that's a physical problem. It's not a supplementation issue or anything like that. And yeah. this happens with a larger felsuma. And what it is, if you don't provide adequate uh, surfaces for them to sit on, let's say a, a diagonal uh, or and or a horizontal surface that will support their whole body, right. they'll, they'll be on the glass pointed down, and their, their tail is so heavy that it will bend over. Oh, my so goodness. They'll be pointing down at the ground eventually. Oh, and, wow. And uh, so that's but that can easily be avoided by by having the proper uh, you know sitting type you know bamboo or PVC pipe in there. Right, and that's just putting in there like forty five degree angles from corner to corner and what have you. Right, at okay. least at minimum you need a, a diagonal piece. Mhm. Mhm. Okay. Now, uh, glass or screen? Uh, any preference there I'm, as far as? Well, I'm I'm a big on glass person. You okay. know, With screen doors. Mhm. Um, and if you can get, uh, there's there's a company that builds custom terrariums that, that will put a screen door or sliding screen door in the middle as well as the top. And that, that's a real great one for Selsuma because they go up and 
if you open the top, <laughs> sometimes the building is there. So <laughs> it's there that you have some kind of a side door. You know, right. Some, some of the exoteras will work with some types of felsuna, but the you know people complain about the uh, clemmeri getting stuck in the the little wedges and cracks in some of those, and some people forget to put plug up the uh, cord cord accesses. Oh yeah, that would be bad. And uh, so you, well, if you get something, you know, that's three and a half inches long and passes out small like a clemmeri, you, you just have to look at the terrarium and, and look very carefully to make sure you've sealed up um, any, any possible escape routes. Any escape routes, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very cool. Now, uh, what was this company that you were talking about that uh, makes these terrariums? Um, let's see, I think, I think they've changed their name. Okay. Uh, but I, they're they're called I think Creative Habitats. But my friends at the East Bay, Bay Vivarium in uh, Berkeley, California, work with them. Oh, very and cool. When I go there, they just say, "Okay, just tell us, you know what, uh, you know what to order from the guy, and they order it from them." Oh, nice. So, um, so I've I've you know made made stuff up that works well for my setup here, and those those I have photographed in my book Geckos. Oh yeah, your so book. You can, you totally. <laughs> and uh, uh, your book was produced by Advanced Vivarium Systems ABS, which was owned by Fleet uh, Devosely, and then recently was purchased by uh, Bowtie. Correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. If you guys haven't picked up uh, Julie's book, it's available on our website as well. <clears throat> and is it just is what's the actual working uh, full title of the book so they can. Uh, just, it's just geckos. Okay. You can look it up. Geckos. Uh, this is edited by Julie Bergman because I did use some some chapters. Are there's a chapter by Solis there that's on uh, crested. Oh, okay. That, that I used because uh, what what they wanted me to do and Solis recruited me for the project. Right. To do a general gecko book and um, some things are, are are done already really well. So Solis, uh, there was no reason for me to do any writing on. Because Philippe's book, book, Philippe's book covered that. Right. That did for AVS. So we just kind of put it in there. <laughs> okay. And then I, I did more on uh, Legianus and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. uh, I did use uh, the general care and maintenance of day geckos, just a description mm -hmm. of the geckos because Sean McEwen did that so well. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could not possibly describe the geckos any better than he did. Right. He went there, he saw them. And he's just fantastic. He was he was a biologist, you know, a zoo, zoo curator. <laughs> I get that out. Right. Um, and he he just was fantastic. So I found no reason not to use his descriptions. Oh so sure. Our knowledge of what to do with them and how to keep them has changed a little bit. Mm -hmm. He wrote that book, so I did that part. Right. And some some chapters are pretty much all the other chapters are my own chapters that I wrote. Okay. On different types of geckos. So. Very cool. Now, as far as uh, geckos and stress is concerned, is this something that you could keep in a, uh, well, which felsuma would work in, like, a high traffic area? Say, like, if you wanted to put one up in your living room. Mm, let's see. What can we put there? Probably something like a, a coke eye, you know, or a standing eye. Okay. Possibly a mm Mhm. And these are all good beginner felsuma, too. Right. Yeah, because <clears throat> if you do go to Julie's website, which is, again, geckoranch.com, you can see what, what she's referring to as beginner and advanced species of day geckos. Some, she she some has them all are, there, so. 
some people are uh, intimidated by the, the smaller sizes of geckos and no reason to be intimidated by by them uh-huh. uh, as far as their size you know some some I would not recommend uh, you know because they're they're quicker and they're mm-hmm. kind of more more sensitive uh, you know to environments and they they have very specific requirements so they're kind of like it's kind of like a philodendron versus an orchid stuff. You know? Right. Like, uh, so the orchids would be, for Felsuma, would be the stuff from Mauritius, which is Cepediana, Ornata, Gimbuai, you know, these guys that um, everybody wants. They're super colorful, and they're super fast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and, the, you know, they're, right now they're super uncommon, so they pretty much won't be available to for the everyday person to buy. Okay. No, uh, you can always get a grandis or a clemerai or a foci <clears throat> or gold dust, you know. Right, right. Available. Now, uh, speaking of buying day geckos, of course, you know, you should be going to Julie Bergman at geckoranch.com. <laughs> um, now, you pretty much can ship, as long, well, weather permitting, you can ship pretty much anywhere in these uh, in the States, correct? Sure. Okay. Sure. I'm, I'm actually a very experienced uh, all-year shipper. Oh, okay, very so cool. I, what I need is 30 Fahrenheit in the shipping hubs in the rival, uh, you know, location. And I, mm-hmm. can ship, I can ship pretty much any gecko that I, that I work with, including Salsuma and Crestus and all that. Awesome. <laughs> Way too cool. Okay, and there you have it. That was uh, Julie Bergman from Gecko Ranch. Once again, her website is geckoranch.com. Do give her a tumble. Check her out. She's a great lady. Got some great geckos up there, especially the Felsuma species. Um, when you go to her website, you will notice that she has other species. Um, but in my mind, primarily, uh, Julie's uh, the day gecko queen, as far as I'm concerned. There's nobody else that you should go to for day geckos. So with that, we uh, close out another edition of Herp Chat with the Reptile Living Room. I'm your host, as always, John F. Taylor. And we look forward to hearing your uh, responses on the uh, website there. Feel free to stop by over at reptileapartment.com. And do, do definitely check us out. Uh, we have a new digital uh, easing coming out that's going to uh, change the reptile world as we know it, so to speak. So if you want to check that out, there is a link on reptileapartment.com. Uh, you can find it under her Pediculture House uh, magazine as well as herphousemag.com. <music>